If you want to open your Bibles, I'm just going to read a couple verses here in John 4 and 5. Verses we've already read, we're going to cover a different emphasis here. So just a short review, we're going through the Gospel of John and focusing on the theme of God being our Father and God being the Father, the Father, his relationship with Jesus. We talked about John 1, what is it like for God to be with God from all eternity? It's a father with a son, which is pretty amazing. So that's what we've been talking about, a lot of different aspects of that. Um, this week, we're going to look on another aspect of what the relationship between Jesus and the Father were. So John chapter 4, just going to read one verse here in John 4:34. Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work." So go ahead and jump to John 5 here. Now, Let's read a little bit more of 5, just to kind of get the context. Let's start in verse 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show, the, show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I tell you, an hour is coming, and is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So let's stop right there. So what we're going to talk about today is the Father's will, or the Father's desires, and Jesus' submission to that. Now, just to start, we're probably going to actually do this for two weeks, but this week is really just going to be, what does that mean, the Father's will? It's kind of interesting that in church, you know, as we gather together, read the Bible, we can ha have language that we don't use anywhere else, which can be neutral, like, a lot of times we say, you may be seated, which if 
you came over to my house for dinner and I said, you may be seated. You'd be like, what? Like, you know what I mean, but it's weird, you know, like to talk like that, not at church, basically. And um, so everyone knows what we mean when we say that, but it is kind of different. Although maybe you talk like that at home. Kids, you may be seated. I don't know. On the other hand, there are things that it's actually, if you don't know what it means, that's not good, right? And so I've said this repeatedly as we, over the last year or so, but growing up in church, there's lots of things that I had kind of this vague idea of what it meant, and I knew it was something to do with God, but I could not have defined a lot of the words that we use regularly as Christians, and that's that was not good. And so... Really, God's will or the Father's will could be for you, maybe it's not, one of those words. But it's certainly not a word that we really talk um, at home in the same way we do here at church. I'll give you an example. It's just really a phrase that we only use in, in this way here or in the Bible. And maybe it's a carryover from the King James, I'm not sure, but... You know, if we were going to have pizza and my daughter said, are we not having pizza? I thought we were going to have pizza. My wife doesn't say, it was not your father's will. Right? I mean, she just doesn't talk like that. Um, She just says, your dad didn't want to. And so for kids especially, if if it's something you don't say at home, then it's kind of hard to understand what we're talking about. So again, another example might be, are we going to go to the library today? My daughter likes to go to the library. She doesn't, we don't say back. It depends on if it's your father's will to, or not. We just say, ask your dad if he wants to take you. And so the first really half of this sermon is just to remind you what we're really saying when we say God's will, the father's will. It's just simply this. What it means in everyday speech, how we talk is, that it means God's desires are what God wants. God's desires are what God wants. And so I'm going to go through, actually I have a PowerPoint here, if you want to pull that up, just some verses in John and other places as well, just to kind of remind you and to get this in your mind, make it really clear. And the translators in the ESV actually already do this, they already switch back and forth between desire and will. And so there'll be words where it says will and and it says desire in the same verse, and it's actually the same word. And so, the ESV, like I said, the ESV translators, and uh, which is what I use, it might be in others as well, already switch back and forth as synonyms, the word desire and the word will. So let's just, uh, let's see here, I probably need to turn this off. Okay, so let's just start over here. This is just the, what the ESV says. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So then let's paraphrase it in the next with the word desire. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the desires of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then finally, we could say it with want. Jesus said to them, my food is to do what God wants me to do and to accomplish his work. Does that make sense? 
they're all saying the same thing uh, with different words, synonyms. And so when Jesus was saying that that's what his food is, he means what I really want to do is what God wants me to do. Even He was highlighting even more than he wants food. He wants to do what the Father wants him to do. Let's look at another example here that we just read, 530. I can do nothing on my own. This is just the ESV directly. I can do nothing on my own. And as I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And let's paraphrase it with desire. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own desire, but the desires of him who sent me. Or with want, a little bit more difficult, a little bit more awkward, but still the same meaning. I can do nothing on my own, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I don't seek what I want, but what God wants. The reason it's important is we, when we read the Bible, we need to know what it means, right? Not just know what it says. That there, I think I've used this illustration before, but if, if your kids can memorize what you say, and actually little kids do this a lot, they'll just repeat word for word what you said, just almost just to try and understand it or as a learning language. So we'll say something, and my daughter won't even know what it means, but she'll just start repeating it, such and such, such and such. Such, such, such. Just saying it under her breath to herself, kind of getting it in her mind. But if she doesn't know what we mean, what we're talking about, um, it just goes way over her head. And I think I've shared this story before. We were talking about the presidential race, and I said something about Biden and Trump, and she said, is, is Trump a person? She had no idea what we were talking about. But she would repeat it, and she would talk like she knew, knew about it. And she'll do the same She'll say COVID-19 and different things like such and such, COVID-19. She does. She has no idea what she's talking about. But we don't want to do that with the Bible, right? We don't want to be able to spit it back out and say the words and we have no idea what we're saying. Um, and so that's why it's important, maybe even essential, I guess, in many ways to ask yourself, not just what does it say, but what does it mean here? What are these words actually saying? Let's do one more here from John. All these are from John. If anyone's will, this is the ESV, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teach, my teaching is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So with the word desire, it would be, if anyone's desire is to do what God's desires, what God desires, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. And with want, if anyone wants to do what God wants, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. So all this is just to say over and over the same thing, which is when we talk about God's will, all we're saying is what God wants or what God desires. Now let's talk about it in terms of maybe the way we talk about it, the way we might talk about it. So we might say, you might ask the question, how do I know what God's will is for my life? What we're really asking is, how do I know what God desires my life to be like? Now, you might also say, how do I know what God wants for my life? 
And it may be for you, all those are exactly equal. But for me, some of them seem a lot easier to answer than others, even though they're all asking the same thing. It's like, what does God want? Well, I know, I know in general what God wants. What does God want, desire my life to be like? I know a lot about, you know, what God desires my life to be like. What's God's will for my life? It's like, I'm not sure. At least for me, that's how it feels. Because it's, in some ways, maybe it's the language. Maybe it's just something in my own mind that is too mysterious or too kind of uh, disconnected from reality. I'm not sure. But we want to know what we mean. And it may help you even just to paraphrase what you're saying with words that you normally use. Uh, Another thing is we can get kind of strange, and maybe some of you, this is not something that you encounter at all, and that's fine, just ignore this example, but whenever you start replacing words with other words that you don't really use in any of your situation, you can get these weird things that start happening theologically. So sometimes people ask, are there two wills in God? And that's actually kind of a large question that people write books about and different things like that but it's strange because when my wife has two things she wants I don't go to my friends and say my wife wants this thing but she also wants this other thing are there two wills in Jess and we have we don't have deep discussions about it it's just not something we do it's it's something that we just know it's like yeah my wife wants different things and I may ask well how are these compatible but it doesn't become like a, a very existential conundrum for me or uh, anyone that I know of. But sometimes we do that with God. I think it's because we disconnect what we're, the words actually mean from reality, if that makes sense. What people are really asking, if you ever encounter this, which you may not, is just, does God desire many different things or is there one big unifying desire that they all fall under? Or does God want many different things or is there one thing ultimately that controls all those, which makes more sense in my mind to say it that way. Or what about our prayers? I'll give you another example Uh, from the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 9. When we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're actually saying is, your kingdom come. We want your desires, God, to be done on earth as they are in heaven. Or your kingdom come. Make what you want happen on earth as it is in heaven. A little bit more awkward with want to get all the words in there, but that's kind of the paraphrase here. And so I think, can I, is there a way to turn this off for now? Okay. So let's just talk about this. That's just the overview, which is just trying to, the point of that whole first half of the message was basically just get in your mind that when we say God's will, we're just talking about God's desire and what God's, God wants. And so then let's apply it, and let's look in Matthew, actually. This is a really important passage in understanding this. Matthew 26, if you want to turn there. Twenty-six thirty-nine. 
Really glad this verse is here. This is a really big verse on understanding what it means to submit our desires to God's desires or our will to God's will or our wants to what God wants. And going a little further, he fell on his face as Jesus and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Or, nevertheless, not as I desire, but what you desire. Or, not what I want, but what you want. So this is huge. This is a pretty amazing verse. If it wasn't in the Bible, I don't know what we would do, really, because this is radical, really, what this verse is saying. This verse is saying that Jesus didn't want God's wrath to be poured out on him on the cross. That's what he said. I'd rather not, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, if that's what you want, not what I want, but what you want, Father. That's amazing. Surprising. But it's important for us because it's helpful to us to see what God is like. I'm really thankful Jesus became a man so we could see what it looks like to submit our desires to God's desires as a human being. And we can learn a lot from this whole idea, both from what we saw in John, but bringing this in as well. The first thing that I want to point out is that it's okay to have your own desires. It is okay to have your own desires. It's okay to want something different than what God wants. If Jesus had not become a man, I don't know how I could confidently assert that, really. That's pretty amazing. Jesus wanted something different at this moment than the Father, but he submitted his desire to the Father's desires. He submitted his wants underneath what God wants. So Jesus, just to say the same thing again, Jesus wants God's wrath to pass from him. The Father doesn't want that. And that was not a sin. That wasn't a sin. When you wake up and you have a desire to have a comfortable day, you don't want to have pain. In this case, Jesus didn't want to be executed. That's okay. You don't want your car to break down. You don't want to get injured. You don't want to get bad news. You want to eat. You want your kids to be safe. You want your kids to have a good attitude. And all those things are okay. It's okay. That's how God made you. God made you to not want pain, to not enjoy pain. You're, you have an aver, av, aversion to pain naturally, and that's okay. That's how God made you. you might, it might be other things. It might not just be you know, food and shelter and things like that. It could be more um, a deeper type thing. You might want to get married. You might want to have kids. You might want to feel accepted. Those are more internal desires. And those are okay. Those are okay desires. Even if when you're going through your day, those things don't happen. It wasn't God's desire for that day. God's, you may want a comfortable day. God gives you a hard day. That's okay. It's okay if you acknowledge to God, God, I wanted a comfortable day today. God, I wanted to get married, but it didn't work out. Or it hasn't worked out yet. God, I wanted to have kids, but it's not working out yet. It's okay for your desires to be different than what God has provided for you.
it's pretty amazing really that Jesus, that we can say that Jesus had different desires than the Father. And yet, he submitted them. He submitted them to the Father. So, this is the next point. That it's okay to have different desires, but they have to be rightly ordered desires. So some desires take precedence over other desires. I'll give you kind of a metaphor to maybe make it a little bit more simple. Um, it's an oversimplification, but it's helpful, I think. And it's desires are kind of like notes on a piano. There aren't bad notes, but there are badly placed notes or badly timed notes. Does that make sense? You can have desires and you can fulfill them with the wrong timing or in the wrong place. It's not wrong to want to have money, but it is wrong to rob a bank to get it. It's not wrong to want to get married, but it is wrong to commit adultery. It's not wrong to have kids, but a high school mom might be a good example of a wrongly timed desire in general. Although I do know some people that got married in high school. And that was, that turned out well. So not totally against that, but I'm just making a general statement. Okay. So we want, we have desires. That's okay. If your desire is different than God's desire, that's okay. You have, but they have to be rightly ordered. Okay. There's a hierarchy of desires. And you see this here with Jesus in Matthew 26. He has a desire, but his desire isn't the ultimate thing. He's submitting it to the Father. He's saying, I don't want to die on the cross. I don't want to have God's wrath poured out on me. But what you want is more important, Father. So even though I have this desire, I'm submitting that desire to what's ultimately more important, which is your will, Father, what you want, what your desire is for my life. And that's the way we have to do it too. We have to look at Jesus just the way Jesus related to the Father and he said, I have desires, but I'm submitting them to the Father. That's the way we need to do it as well. You can have your own desires, but they have to be rightly ordered, is the way I'm going to say it. I have a lot of desires, but my desires ultimately are secondary to God's desires. I have a lot of things I want, but they're all secondary to what God wants. And so when we're praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're saying is, God, I have wants. I have things I want today. I have things I desire today. But ultimately, I'm submitting all that to you, what you want. And there's a, a, a good passage here that kind of summarizes these. Just We're just kind of kind of wrap back around, and I'm going to say all the same things again, except from a different passage here. I'm going to uh, pull the PowerPoint back up. And if you want to turn to 1 John, 1 John 5, uh, no, sorry, 2, sorry, 1 John 2, I'm going to kind of say all the same things again with a different verse and summarize it. 1 John 2, uh, let's see. Okay, 1 John 2, we're going to read verses 15 to 17. I'm going to read it starting off in the KJV, actually. Um, which is what I first way I first learned these verses, and it's helpful as well. 
Okay, First John two fifteen through seventeen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of the Father, will of God, abides forever. So I want you to notice here, these words that I've underlined. Um, lust, lust, will, and lust. And that's the way KJV puts it. Um, the ESV is a little bit different, but I've actually changed it here. I used to read this passage, and I may have said this before, and not, I could not figure out what, where it was going because he starts out talking about love and then he never brings it back in. I kept thinking the last verse, I kept thinking it would be, but whoever loves God abides forever because that's how he starts it. But it wasn't clear to me that this the controlling word here is actually desire that comes up over and over. Um, I kept wanting to see love, think love was going to come back in. But that's not his train of thought. It's easier to follow when you see all these words underlined here, I think. And so I'm going to read it one more time, except with the word desire. This is the ESV, except I ch slightly changed to highlight that thread of thought that he's, he has here. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all it is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the desires of God abides forever. I think this is helpful to kind of summarize all those things that we're saying. First off, it's helpful because when you see the word will, I don't immediately connect it to desire. In my own mind, I have to remind myself, will just means desire or want. So that helps with the whole train of thought. The other thing is, this word lust here has a certain connotation in English, but it's a little bit different, actually a lot a bit different in Greek. For example, Paul says that he eagerly longs, remember that? That's just the same word here that they translate lust. It just means an intense desire, and it actually is the exact same word as you know when we say God's will. It's that same word, uh, intensified, it has a prefix on it, but it's just the word desire, an intense desire, which really kind of changes in some way how you think about it. And the reason it's important is just the things we talked about. Lust is really just an intense desire, or we could call it an over-desire, or a wrongly ordered desire. We could say any of those. So, Sin, in many ways, this again is an oversimplification, but something you can think about, is generally, I would say, my guess is nine times out of ten, just total guess, is a right desire wrongly timed or placed. There may be things that are just, there's people that have evil desires, it doesn't seem like it's rooted in anything good, but the vast majority of sin, it seems like, is a right desire wrongly timed or placed. So a couple examples might be, Comfort. God made you to rest. That's what the seventh day, right? He said, it's good for man to rest. You want some time to relax. 
some time to wind down. You don't want to work all the time. Comfort is a natural desire that God put in us. But if if I want comfort so much that I stop working, that's that becomes a sin. That's an over-desire. An over-desire of comfort becomes a sin because I'm not doing what I ought to be doing. Another example might be stealing is... It's okay to want something. An over-desire for that thing might lead to you stealing, which is a sin. You know, it might be something like credit card. You know, I interestingly, your credit card, the average credit card debt goes up with income. So if you only make $30,000 a year, you know, you, your average credit card debt is like 3000 but if you make 160000 your average credit card debt is 16000 So as you get more, you want more, and you spend more than you have in general. That's the pattern in the U.S. And so is it wrong to want neutral things? I mean, kayak. I like going out on the water. Is it wrong to want a kayak? I don't think so. I think that's a neutral thing. It could be a good thing. But... If I have ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt because I always get the things I want and that I don't have the money for, that's an over desire. It's a neutral or even a good thing that you want so bad you'll get it even when it's not the right time. God hasn't provided that for you. And that's kind of the pattern in the US. The average credit card debt is close to ten thousand dollars, which is Interesting, surprising um, to me. So that changes the idea, really, of lust. Because when I hear about somebody who buys a bunch of stuff that's neutral, I don't think they've got a lust problem. But they do. They have an over-desire problem. They have an over-desire problem. And their desires aren't rightly ordered. They've got something they want, and it becomes too high a priority. And so it's a little bit of a different way to think about sin, but I think it's a helpful thing. Um, Helpful way to think about it. And so let's just apply it here as we kind of wrap it up. First, it's okay to want something different than what God wants, if it's rightly ordered. So we submit our desire to God's desires. And God's desire is more important than our desires. So how can we apply this to our life? Well, the first is just prioritize God's will. God's desires above your desires. You know, it might just be what Jesus said about the Lord's Prayer. Just when you wake up in the morning, pray. Submit your desire to God every day. God, you can even say, this is what I want. But ultimately, I want what you want more. I want what you want. I want your will to be done. I want your desires to be done. So here's my desire, God, but I submit that to you. And if that's not what you want, that's okay for today. It's helpful to me personally because when I wake up, I do have this way I want my day to go. This is what I kind of want it to be like. And it's helpful for me to consciously submit it to God every day. To say, God, I want this. I want my kids to have a good attitude. I want, you know, time 
to myself in the morning before the kids wake up. I want things to go like this, but it's not all about me, God, and I want what you want. And just to do that consciously sets my day in a different direction, me personally, to consciously give those over to God. And then when it comes back around, when it comes time, something goes not my way, the way I didn't want it to go, or something difficult happens, that already has been placed in my mind, and it reminds me, I think about it, well, this is what God want, wanted, and that's okay. It helps me submit to that. That's one thing. It's just simply submit your desire to God every morning, uh, just like the Lord's Prayer talks about. The other thing is pray your desires. Pray the things that you desire. Even if they don't, they're not happening, it doesn't look like it's what God wants right now. It's right and good to pray your desires to God. That's what Jesus did. Think about that. Jesus prayed his desires to God that he wouldn't die on the cross, and God said no. Right? That's pretty amazing. Jesus said, if, if it's possible, let this cut pass. And God said, no, it's, gonna, it's still going to happen. That's pretty encouraging. I mean, do you pray things that don't happen? And God says, that's not, my, that's not what I want for you. That, I do. <laughs> and so that's comforting to me. Pray your desires just like Jesus did. Where are you going to go? You've got a desire. Where are you going to go with it? Go to God. Pray it. To, pray it. You, you want to get married? Pray it. Talk to God about it. You want, like an example, like I said earlier, a kayak? Pray it. God, I like this, but right now it just doesn't seem like it'd be good financially for us to do this. You know, it's something I enjoy. There's good things in it, like enjoying creation, God's creation. And God, I'll just wait for your timing, and if it's what you want, maybe, maybe someday. And if it's not, that's okay too. I trust you. It's something, it could be something neutral like that. Maybe it's just a flat-out wrong desire. God, I've got, I, I desire revenge. Uh, somebody wronged me, and I want to get back at them. That's how I feel right now. Pray it. Give that to God. Acknowledge that to God. And submit to him. I trust you, God. This is what I desire, but change it. Help me. I want to submit to you. You know what's best. I want what you want, not what I want, ultimately. And many times, for me, it's just patience. God, thank you for helping and give me patience. You know what I need, and if that means I wait, that's okay. You know, the other encouraging thing about praying your desire, even little things to God, is if you get them, then you praise the right place. For me, this is just a little story that is encouraging to me is I was doing this a little while ago about a weight bench. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be able to lift at home and it just didn't seem like the right time to, to buy a weight bench. And I prayed about it. God, I'd like this. I, I enjoy exercise. It's good for me, but it just doesn't seem like the right time right now. I'll just give that to you and, and trust you. And then later on, uh, just down the road, my neighbor put out to, for the garbage a nice weight bench. And I praised God. I was like, wow. I was like, you're going to throw this away? Like, I can have it? Like, Great. <laughs> and I got a weight bench from God. <laughs> I, and I praised God. And if I hadn't submitted that to God, I, I don't think I would have praised him like that. It just would have been like, oh, this is just a normal part of life. I just go out and I get these things and, and it's just my desire. But really it was God. 
And things like that have happened repeatedly to us, for Jess and I. There was one that really was encouraging where we were brand new Christians, newly married. We were struggling with like every dollar we spent. So I was just really struggling like, is this what God, does God want? What does God want us to do? You know, with our money, can we? This is seriously the conversation we're having. Can we go to Chipotle like and spend $8? Like, and we were, prayed about it. And actually, she wanted to go to Chipotle with one of her relatives, and I wanted to go to a movie with one of my friends, and we both prayed about it, like, God, is this even right? We were new Christians. We didn't even know, like, can you spend money at restaurants and be a Christian, you know, type of thing. And so we prayed about it, and we got two gift cards for Christmas that year. One was to the movies, and one was to Chipotle, which is amazing. Praise the Lord. I mean, it was just an answer to prayer, and we felt like, it's okay. Like, that was God telling us, you can go to the movie. You can spend $10 on a movie ticket, and you can spend $8 on a burrito, and that's okay. And that is encouraging. And that's just an example to me, an encouragement to my heart of submitting all your desires to God and, and asking and watching and, you know, the reality of God in your life. So... The last thing I, I wait that we can apply this, we said we could pray our desires, we can daily commit our day to God, whatever you want today, your desires for my day to today, God, whatever you want, that's what I want for my day, but also for the whole world. And then the last thing is just ask yourself, another way to apply this is, do I have any over-desires? I mean, if there's a sin in your life, just ask yourself, is this a wrongly ordered desire? Is there something that I want, and so I'm stealing it? And it might not be physically stealing. It might be, um, it might be something that you're doing even digitally. You might be stealing digitally, or you might be uh, looking at something you shouldn't be looking at. You might be, who knows, um, short with your wife, and it's an over-desire of comfort or an over-desire of control. Just something to ask yourself. Are there, when I encounter a situation where I am sinning against God and against others, is there an over-desire here? Something that I have prioritized. I put what I want above everything else. I know God wants me to, you know, whatever it is. Um, God wants me to get married, um, but I decided I don't care. I want to fulfill this desire however I want, or I don't know what it is for you, what it could be, but whatever it is, maybe maybe it is credit card debt. Maybe you got $30,000 in credit card debt. And you say, well, what's the over-desire here, you know? What, have I really placed, you know, getting material things that I want now, should I be, putting God's will, God, what you, what do you want? What's your desire? And I'm going to wait. Um, I'm going to say, God, this is what I want right now. I'm just going to submit that to you. It could be something else, but just something to ask yourself. What's the over-desire here? And then submit it to God. God, this is what I want, but ultimately not what I want, God, but what you want. So, just to summarize... When we say God's will, we're saying what God wants, what God desires. And ultimately, 
we want to submit all our desires to him. His is most important. We want our desires to be rightly ordered. What God wants is more important than what I want. God is God, and I'm not. And as we sin, as we catch our feel conviction, we can ask these questions, ask for help from God. Help me to have rightly ordered desires. Let's pray together. Father, we do just thank you that you care about all our desires, all our needs, and pray that you would help us just understand the things you say in your word and then to live them out. We, we submit the rest of our day to you just right now, like we've been talking about. We have desires today, what things we want to happen, but we just submit it to you, God. And if our kids have a temper tantrum or whatever, um, just don't want to be frustrated. We want to just trust you. And I pray you'd help us to be good parents, to submit to you in all things, whatever you want for our lives and our day. I do pray that even this week there could be people that you answer their prayer in a special way and they praise you for it. Pray there'd be maybe sin-revealed desires that are have been wrongly ordered that you just shine your light on it and it could be confessed and repented of. Just pray for our own hearts. Is there anything like that, God? Would you just shine a light on it in our own hearts? We've got our... We've put some way above where it should be need help in it would you just search our hearts thank you Jesus for your example and for your death that you did die on the cross pray you just cover us with your blood and our sins and help us each day we want to be more like you and we want to submit to the Father's will. We need real help each day. Amen.